Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Boomer. Some people don't like the term, but I think, like many other words, it's all in how you say it. My umbrella business is Boom with a Bang, and I think we should keep that in mind as much as possible. We Boomer women don't have a lot of role models as we traverse this chapter. So the goal of this podcast is to introduce you to guests who might incentivize, encourage, teach you to embrace your wisdom, our wisdom. With this incarnation of the Boomer Woman's Podcast, I'm interviewing people who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at boomwithabang.com. If you want to be a guest on podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, message me. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value, we know how to do it, and we must perpetuate the art form. So let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I grew into adulthood during the 70s when women were really struggling to be recognized for their worth, especially in the business world. So when a woman moved into the corner office of a big company, it was cause for celebration. I'm not sure the struggle has decreased all that much for women, but today's guest is a success story. Paula spent 15 years in the corporate banking arena, working with large multinational clients in the fast-paced and sometimes brutal industry of global banking. She managed large, complex teams in multiple jurisdictions and had the responsibility of defending an eight-figure balance sheet. However, she began to recognize the internal feeling of what she calls aridity in in what appeared externally to be a very successful life. Great career with a bright future, beautiful family, the picture book view of success for many people. I'm going to fast forward to today, although I will ask her more about her decisions during our conversation. Paula is creator of The Frequency, and I'm going to quote her website to explain that at The Frequency, we are passionate about living our best lives possible, growing in our level of being and awareness, learning how to be in healthy relationships and set loving and clear boundaries, building community aligned with the values of the frequency of consciousness and love, and supporting women to transition into their mature feminine strength and power. That sounds like a far cry from the corporate boardroom. Paula Conroy, welcome to the Boomer Woman's podcast. Fantastic, Agnes. It's so great to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. No, it's a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to this. Paula, part of me really identified with your practice but it was an inner identification. So if I don't quite use the right words, please feel free to correct me. Absolutely, no problem. Now, your mindset transition over the last several years is pretty amazing. Can we go back to the younger Paula that you were climbing the corporate ladder? Did that feel good in the beginning? Mm, absolutely, yes, absolutely. You know, in those younger years, um, you know, the stages of the life cycle for women can generally be thought of in, in, in three different stages, although there are many stages that one can include when we consider things from a uh, from an objective feminine consciousness point of view. Um, and But the typical ones we talk about are the maiden years, the mother years, and then the crone years. 
And so those maiden years, which are those formative years of our lives where we are coming into the world and we're almost like a, a flower pushing through and budding into towards our full bloom. We sort of have this energy of pushing up and out and exploring and trying on different hairstyles and trying on different clothes and trying on different identities and putting all of these different hats on and off as we go as we're uh, in this experiential journey of seeking to find who we really are in life and where our place is in the world. And during that part of life, it's a really exciting stage. Um, and many women may identify with this, that, you know, it's a it's a wonderful journey to explore all these different facets of ourselves as we walk through uh, through those younger years where we have energy and vitality and youthfulness on our side. So for me, in those earlier years, when I joined banking, I first started working in banking at the age of 21, um, and I had various roles before I landed up in um, HSBC, where I worked for 14 years. All of the experiences that I had during those sort of 20s and early 30s were fantastic. I mean, I was in this fast-paced environment. I was surrounded by very intelligent people. There were exciting clients that we worked with. We dealt with big sums of money, which was always quite mind-blowing. Um, there was insight into the sort of uh, behind the scenes of how money moves around the world and how the world ticks off the back of that and how these large corporates and large financial institutions interact with one another and what the relationship between them are. So there was a lot of um, a lot of uh, interesting uh, intellectual angles that I found very riveting. There was uh, a lot of relational angles that I found very uh, exciting and uh, sometimes very frustrating. There was a lot of um, uh, systemic uh, angles that were really, really fascinating for me. So there were so many parts of the of the job that I really, really loved and that I thrived in and that I found um, incredibly expansive. So I have a lot to be grateful for and a lot to thank that big system and that organization for for the experience that I had within it. However, those maiden years do generally come to a conclusion at some stage when we as women are then transitioning into what is a necessary rite of passage into the next phase of our journey, this necessary rite of passage into what needs to be and should be the mature feminine years of our lives or the mother stage of our life, moving from those maiden years of exciting up and out into now the sustaining, nurturing, uh, consistent, compassionate stage of the mother years. You know, if we think even on an archetypical level, we think of, you know, the great mother earth that we all live upon. You know, we want her to sustain. We want her to hold us. We want her to be healthy. We want this planet that we live on to be in that frequency of, um, of holistic health and compassion and acceptance and nurturance to look off after all of the beings that live upon um, her, her soil. Um, and the same thing, if we reflect that back into us as women in the stage of motherhood years or mother years, and that doesn't necessarily mean the requirement to be a biological mother. It's just referring to the archetype of those, those years of our life, call it the late 30s to somewhere in the late sort of 50s, maybe early 60s, before we then transition into our crone years or our elder years, where we become the wise woman at the table and we become the wise woman or the matriarchs within the, the family or the organizations. And we have that um eldership or that elderhood archetype that becomes an incredibly valuable resource for our families or our communities. But this particular transition that I'm referring to, this rite of passage into feminine maturity, 
began um, with a experience that I was having within me of misalignment with where my life was at. I, by that stage, had two two children, and I was still working a rather uh, a rather intense and very uh, highly you know a, a job full of responsibility and a lot of people to look after. And I had these two small children at home, and um, I started feeling this internal misalignment, this sense of of uh, of disenfranchisement. Of I, I noticed in my experience that. I wasn't that happy. I was discombobulated. I was exhausted. I was starting to have gut issues. I was snappy. I was irritable. I was all sorts of things were not really in alignment. And there was this identity within me that was going, but why, why you've got everything. Look at you. You've got this career and you've got this red carpet to wherever you want to go. You've got wonderful mentors and supporters within this organization that will support you on your career path. If, if you, if you just continue to lean in, you know, and Cheryl Sandberg from, you know, Facebook, her, her book all around lean in was all about that, you know, encouraging women to keep leaning in. And I think there's definitely a place for that. And I also recognize that there's a place for listening to the internal resistance. Um, so if your listeners or yourself are familiar at all with Maureen Murdoch's work, where she coined the heroine's journey, which comes off Joseph Campbell's work, the hero's journey. Um, and it gets to that certain point in the hero's journey where there is the boon of success in this outside world. So as women, when we're in that masculine experience of ours, this boon of success is happening. The heroine's journey kicks in at that point, which is this feminine side of us that comes in where we recognize this internal misalignment, this internal call to something calling to to change something calling technically for a death something needs to die in order for this new phase of existence this new phase of feminine um, experience to be birthed within us um, and that takes quite a big split from it, it takes quite a lot of um you know and in today's culture we don't necessarily have the communities or the culture or the the know-how to support women to understand how they can shift from that boon of success which is feeling not so well and not feeling so good, not in alignment with the type of life they want to lead, to split away from that seemingly externally approved perfect life into this experiential journey of, oh, wow, I need to go through a transition myself to discover for myself what actually is calling for me to emerge as, what is what is this next phase of my life calling calling to me to show up as? And, um, you know, so for me, that was quite a big experience to be able to step away from that uh, seemingly glossy career and um, externally approved, um, you know, culture, culturally approved life of success to be able to break away and say, okay, I need to rediscover myself as a, as a woman in this phase of motherhood to align to these values of um, you know, balance and harmony and presence in my family and presence with my husband and to heal these parts of me that are fragmented and irritable and exhausted and unwell so that I can start perpetuating a frequency on planet Earth that is attuned to the type of life we are all so desperately seeking that is something that is aligned to wholesome goodness and balance as opposed to work more, bigger, better, faster, harder at the expense of health, well-being, balance, harmony, and 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 peacefulness within the home. So that was really the, the big transition, the, the, the great boon of success in those maiden years. And then the recognition that there was this call, this, this call to a rite of passage into the next stage of my journey as a woman, um, uh, to enter the stage of womanhood and, and 
uh, motherhood, although again, I'm going to just make sure that the listeners are clear that I'm not referring to biological motherhood. This is very much the motherhood stage of our lives, this midlife stage where we are in the full summertime of our lives. Our buds have all bloomed and now we are here to radiate and hold a frequency of balance and harmony. And how do we do that? How, how is it possible for us to do that well? And that's now the uh, the journey that I'm on in creating the opportunity for women to learn how to do that well. Everybody knows that I come with notes. And as you were speaking, it's just like, I'm going to keep on strolling because you're covering off everything I wanted to ask you. I, I love the way you spoke of the maiden, the mother, and the crone, because I am at the crone stage of my life. And so often it's a it's a word that resonates negatively, but I love it. Um, it's just that that wise woman. And, and so I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to go there, but I had a question that I wanted to ask you that still refers to the corporate world. And I crafted this question carefully, so I hope it does make sense. And if we have any men listening, none of this discussion is meant as derision. Let me say that right up front. But given the history of male domination in the corporate world, is it a male construct that women are trying to mold themselves to, perhaps not recognizing that the genders truly are inherently different? Or has the corporate world taken on life of its own that has morphed into something bigger than even the male creators have lost control of? Yeah, beautiful question, Agnes, and a very, very interesting one, because I think there's quite a few different angles that we can approach that from. So, you know, the discussion of male and female, as we know, and I I appreciate that you've put that sort of trigger alert out to anybody who's listening, because, um, you know, it is so important that the men know that women are very much on their side, as we really do hope the men are on our side, and that, you know, in our journey of life, that men and women both hold both masculine and feminine consciousness. Um, from a, and, and what I mean by that is we have masculine attributes within us women and we have feminine attributes. Majority of women are more predisposed to feminine attributes and that's why they are more obviously um, recognizable in women and men, many men or majority of men are more predisposed to masculine attributes, you know, get out there, get things done, you know, build the empire, et cetera, et cetera, that we associate those attributes more with men. However, men and women both hold both of those attributes. And therefore, when we think about the patriarchy and the way in which it has uh, emerged, you know, lots of men sort of jump into the box going like, oh, the women are just men haters and they think it's all our fault. And it's like, well, actually, no, it's, it's not all your fault. Women also played a part in allowing the emergence of this hyper-masculine system that just so happened to put men into positions of power because the way in which that system identifies is with masculine attributes. Those are the attributes that have been heralded as really sort of, you know, ones to be revered, you know, power and dominance and, you know, growing the empires and all those things are what our culture culture has ad- has revered over time when we haven't necessarily revered the, the more feminine attributes of nurturance and care and compassion and, uh, you know, wholesome acceptance and the cyclical nature of the feminine side of our existence. And that in some ways have served men and not served women, but in many ways it's also not served men. And and if I look, you know, around at my, my family, for example, I can see the impact that the patriarchy had on my father you know, how he had to forego so many gentle aspects of his nature, so many beautiful feminine attributes of his nature, because the system 
required him to be a strong man according to the patriarchal standard of what that strong man looked like. And as a result of that, he didn't get to nurture this beautiful feminine side of him. And there's the split within him that he doesn't know how to be with his emotions and with his feelings in, in a way that is potent and that is mature. He's, he's afraid of his feelings because he was never taught how to be with them. And there's so many men out there that have got this, you know, challenge and women, all of us are affected by it. But, you know, largely speaking, we've got so many men on this, on, 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 on our planet, in our earth that are struggling to be with their emotions in a healthy way because they haven't been allowed to feel, they haven't been taught how to feel. And especially, you know, for the, for the boomer generation where they were post-war generation and there was a lot of, you know, men coming out of war, war times or even with parents who came out of war times that had were suffering from a lot of experiential feelings that, that our culture didn't have the capacity or the intelligence or the awareness or the, 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 the know-how how to hold these men through this very extremely traumatic experience that they went through. And as a result, all of that got buried into the consciousness, buried into the psyche and passed down to the next generation and to the next generation. So, you know, we've got that at a very sort of macro level and it, that is an issue. Now, how that's impacted us women is, you know, I even look at my earlier years of my career when I first joined in and part of the consciousness that was around in the 80s and the 90s when I was emerging through school and into the work workforce was that, you know, we were still in that stage where men were like, oh, that's a man's job or oh, that's a woman's job and the men do this and the women do that. And I grew up with that being kind of programmed into me that, you know, the men do that sort of thing and the women do that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, unbeknownst to me that was programmed into me and as I've unpacked that I've been like oh wow that was given to me as opposed to me choosing that for myself you know there's there's a real disconnect to waking up to that um but you know what happens for us as we as we grow through that that split as as us women go through a necessary individuation from our from our mother especially around that adolescent time that important rite of passage from child into young adulthood and those rites of passage are not necessarily done well in our current culture for the children. So our children start to create their own rites of passage. They want to have some kind of container to push against in order to be able to find themselves in that in that space. They want to be able to have the um, the necessary boundary around them to to kind of burst through their egg. But we don't necessarily create those healthy rites of passage for our youth. So what do they do? They go out and create it for themselves and they go and they surf on top of cars or they go and take too many drugs or they go and drink too much and drive or, you know, they do all sorts of things, which is that that. Uh, energetic expression of trying to push against something but there's no healthy rite of passage at that stage of life for them to push against so then they land up exploding out and as we know there's so many disastrous consequences that happen as a result of that so for us women going through that rite of passage in our in our in our adolescence we have a split from the feminine around about that time and we split from um, having looked at our moms, if we've got a healthy relationship with our moms going, I want to be just like you. I want to have hair like you. I want to dress the same clothes as you. I want to have your handbag. I want to dress like mom. I want to put on makeup, you know, so that healthy relationship can be, um, can result in that sort of behavior in a child. 
Likewise, with a, um, a, a person or a, a young woman who has not necessarily had the healthiest relationship with her mother, she might either be seeking for her mother's attention or might be pushing her mother away. One way or another, we get to a certain stage where we are necessarily wanting to individuate and find ourselves. And what happens subconsciously when we split from that mother figure in our lives, either from a healthy relationship or from an unhealthy relationship, we unconsciously split from the feminine within us. And what happens in that is that as we split from the feminine within us as young women, we then start to over-identify with the masculine. And so we have a lot of pretty much all women will then either want to be liked by men or want to be like men. And that becomes a perpetuation then in the corporate um, environment, which I saw very much through my early years in my 20s, is that I was a... Uh, a bit of a misnomer being an, being the only uh, young woman at that stage in a team of 27 men and for me I wanted to, I wanted to be liked by the men I felt this sense of oh look at me like this egoic side of me was like I get to be a part of the boys club and I get to be liked by the men and I get to be accepted by the men and I get to be approved by the men and there was this unconscious part of me that really reveled in that experience of being liked by men um, and being a part of that boys club, being accepted by the big club. So our culture doesn't have the awareness to be able to see how that's perpetuating in corporate. And so we either have now women rising into positions of power. And I saw this time and time again with a lot of the senior women that worked at uh, at HSBC is that they would, they would either be a part of the boys club and be chatting with the boys like in the boys club, or there would be a um, a woman who would be very much dressed like a man. They'd be in this very sort of corporate suit, you know, and just very vanilla in what they were wearing. The real sort of um, radiance of the feminine completely thwarted in that environment. You know, the radiance of the feminine being how, you know, fluid we are and how um, malleable we are and how much we bring to our nurturance and how much we bring to our light and to our love and you know emotions weren't welcome in the corporate environment you had to take those conversations outside it all had to fit into a certain box because that's how that culture has been created and if you're stepping outside of that box it got very quickly thwarted and women were told that they were being over emotional and that they needed to get their emotions in check when in actual fact we as human beings are emotional emotional beings we are we are feeling beings and all of that very beautiful feminine side of experience of life experience got thwarted or is thwarted within that corporate environment and I feel for myself on a personal level that that was very much part of the undoing for me was wow I'm not feeling fully expressed in my human experience here and as a woman I can't be fully myself here I'm having to leave parts of myself outside the room I'm not able to express or I'm not able to um, you know rebuke or rebuff I'm not able to to really be in my full expression of being a human being in this environment um, as it is at the moment and I feel I feel trapped I feel squashed and I feel like I'm dying inside there's something in me that's dying so you know to be able to take that experience and you know have the the capacity and the capability to be able to make different choices for myself it was a very big journey to be able to do that um, and to be able to be brutally honest with myself, to be able to look at myself and go, oh, wow, look at how you've perpetuated the system by wanting to be liked by the men. Look how you've contributed 
to this problem that's here through no judgment on self, no, you know, and maybe there was a, at times judgment on self, but largely speaking, it's like, oh, wow, how is it that I can take radical responsibility for my part in things? Because I can't keep pointing my finger outwards. None of us can keep pointing our finger outwards and blame the system, blame blame the patriarchy, blame the men, blame the women, blame, blame whoever else out there, whoever's fault it is. You know, and not be recognizing that every situation is a co-creation, that I am a part of every situation that I'm in and I'm co-creating. And if I'm in victim consciousness within that that system going, oh, what was me? I feel like I'm dying inside here. Oh, dear. OK, I'm stuck in my victim consciousness and I'm blaming others for what is actually happening. How is it that I can turn the mirror back around and really have a good look at what's going on inside of me and take full responsibility for me? and my part recognize my choices and if I don't have the ability to to make different choices where can I reach out to some support somebody else some kind of support system another a mentor a coach a a, a, a woman's circle some kind of structure that I can I can I can cultivate some ability to be able to build my capacity to make different choices for myself and in that creating the opportunity for taking taking away my contribution to the perpetuation of a system that is not necessarily rooted in the types of values that we as all humans really wish to live in, you know, the, the values of balance and harmony and peace, the values of being in alignment with our families and with our friends and with our communities, the values of upholding a, a wholesome life and looking after our planet. And all those types of things that so many of us humans resonate so deeply with, but we're so far, it's our ability to be able to live in alignment with that is so far away from where our current capacity is because we are very much stuck in that system with no toolkit and no awareness or nobody holding space and teaching us how to become aware of how do I take responsibility for myself, radical responsibility for myself and, and build my capacity to make different choices. You're really good at explaining that because as you were talking about that, you know, moving perhaps out of the feminine and into the more masculine, I think through my 20s, I was almost like on a pendulum where, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I the, the masculine was more apparent and sometimes the feminine uh, and sometimes I was comfortable with one and not the other. So yeah, you're, it was really mm -hmm. interesting. It, things that I've never thought about, um, but you really sort of hit a chord there. That's great. Rites of passage. A, a lot of indigenous cultures seem to have it. You hear about that, or older cultures. Can you talk to rites of passage? Like we've lost them so much, I think, in Western culture. Are we going back to that a wee bit, or? Yeah, yeah. No, you're spot on there. I mean, ultimately, all of us who work in the sp space of rites of passage, I work very closely with a with a extraordinary man here in Australia called Dr. Arno Rubenstein um, at the Rites of Passage Institute. Um, and he's been working deeply in the space for 30 years now. And he's um, got extraordinary camps that we facilitate for parents and children or parents and children transitioning into young adults, um, as well as, uh, you know, open source training that we do for the likes of you and I to learn the framework of what a healthy rite of passage looks like. 
Um, and you're quite right. So rites of passage have been a been a part of indigenous communities around the world for, you know, as long as indigenous communities have been around. You know, these communities have always recognized that a rite of passage for an individual is a necessary process that occurs when each individual is going through a necessary transition from one stage of life to the next. And that can be at significant moments such as adolescence or such as transitioning uh, into getting married or having a baby. And, you know, us in Western society, you know, we'll have a baby shower, for example, for somebody who's having a baby or we'll have a wedding for somebody who's having a wedding. Um, and so we bring in aspects of what rites of passage are. We bring in some some degree of ceremonial um, ceremonial process or some degree of ritual, if that's appro appropriate. You know, we do have a way in which we have touched on aspects of honoring a rite of passage for an individual. Um, however, what Dr. Arno Rubenstein did is he studied extensively the indigenous communities um, around the world, and he recognized that there was a particular process that when done well and when, uh, when accessed in uh, in a conscious way with awareness that these sorts of inevitable transitions that happen for everybody can be done uh, not just for the benefit of the individual that's going through that rite of passage, but ultimately it's for benefit of the whole community. So there is kind of a lost opportunity that we have that, you know, all of us human beings individually are moving through these different stages of our lives all the time. However, we don't necessarily then recognize the extraordinary benefit that, for example, my transition into Crohn or your transition into Crohn, you know, that transition when done well and healthily benefits the whole community. It brings back the kind of ladder of succession of us moving through the stages of life. And, you know, a typical example of how these things don't get done well is that, you know, many sort of girls that are transitioning into adolescence um, who've who've um, at times been daddy's little princess and daddy's little girl and, you know, always be daddy's little someone. And then she's transitioning into a young woman and she's like, I'm not going to be your little girl anymore, you know, like stop calling me your little girl. But dad is like completely bewildered because he's like, but this is my little angel. Like she's been my angel my whole life. She'll always be my angel. But that relationship, that relationship needs to mature together. There needs to be a necessary transition for the parent and the child to move through to the next stage of the evolution of their lifespan together. But our uh, our parents, you know, mothers don't get taught how to do this with sons. You know, what we see so happen on our camps is the mothers come to our camps with their sons and there's so many tears because they feel their boys slipping away. They feel their boys moving. They're more interested in their friends and they want to be at the skate park or they want to be, uh, you know, out on the phone with girls or whatever. And the mothers are just feeling this, you know, experiential loss of of their child slipping away from them and then mothers start overreaching and overreaching and overreaching and the boys are then like mom you're smothering me like you and and we see these these relationships break down which is so desperately sad because especially for our youth for our teens it is such a critical time for them to feel the support of the community and of their family around them as they're going through a very very significant transition in their lives huge amount of hormonal changes huge amount of life changes and without that sense of feeling held by their family and their community you know we there is so much um 
uh, risk of these children making poor decisions for themselves, you know, and potentially landing up in potentially disastrous consequences. So, you know, for 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 the the rite of passage framework to be implemented more deeply within family structures, within schools. We do a lot of work in schools to be able to support, you know, the teachers and the staff and the students, as well as the parent body, the whole community to help prime the soil for these children that are coming up towards their adolescence with certain amounts of practices of as all indigenous cultures have done is sitting in circle and telling their stories, you know, learning from the elders within the circle that the children get to sit around the fire with the elders and each person within the, within that culture, within that community gets to speak one after the next, after the next. Everybody listens intently to each person as they speak. And through that process of sitting in circle and storytelling with all of the generations together from the elder all the way down to the youngest is that the elders can share their their experiences on what they experienced at a certain stage of their life or depending if it's a certain topic they tell their story and everybody within the whole circle gets to listen intentionally without interrupting without giving their point of view without trying to associate themselves into the story without trying to make themselves relevant or take the conch from the person who's speaking there is a practice within indigenous cultures to really intentionally and actively listen to one another and the circle design is always that there isn't some body sitting up on a throne somewhere else. There isn't this sense of hierarchy, which we see perpetuated in our current day culture with, you know, org charts that have, you know, the CEO at the top and that all spinning down or, you know, a king and queen up on a throne and every all the subjects down below or the guru up on a stage and everybody down below. It's a, it's a very different system. It's a very different ecosystem dynamic because in a circle, everybody is at the same height everybody's at eye level with one another there's nobody that is holding some position of hierarchy or authority however inbuilt into that community and into that culture is this experience of reverence and respect for the elders the reverence and respect for the crones in the room who have lived their lives they have gone through these cycles of all of these things that these young maidens and young men who are coming up thinking that they've got it all because they have all the energy and vibrancy of youth and yet they don't necessarily have the maturity and the experience of the elderhood so you know these and the rites of passage really does revere elderhood we really do look to the elders with a sense of of awe and wonder because they've lived a really good solid long life that has absolutely had the flavor of every possible experience and every possible emotion from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows from the the, the happiest of times to the saddest of times the elders have been through all of those experiences and have gleaned so much gold they've got so much elixir from those experiences that they can now bring back and offer out to the community through the gift of their storytelling through the gift of telling the community in the circle in which they're sitting what actually happened for them during those various periods of time depending on what the topic of conversation is all about um, you know, so sitting in circle and telling story is an incredible way to, uh, to, to support people to feel seen, to feel heard, to support people to have the opportunity to hear themselves speak while they are, they are being actively listened to by others without being interrupted, without being, you know, told to feel a certain way or told not to feel a certain way or for their story getting hijacked by somebody saying, oh, that also happened to me. Well, that's great that it happened to you, but I'm actually just telling telling you what happened to me me right now you know and and there's a there's an extraordinary benefit to this very simple practice and 
when it's done well, and when the circle is held well with the type of integrity that Indigenous communities used to bring to it, there's an, a potency and almost like a uh, it has an energy of its own that's a transformational energy that can move through the circle that we learn reflectively from one another's story. Oh, wow, that happened to that person. Instead of me interrupting and, and agreeing or asking a question, can I just sit with that experience of receiving in that person's story and allow that to gestate within me and allow that to percolate within me so I can refer my own story to it in my own experience and see what kind of things I can either challenge within my own narrative of my story that I'm telling or be able to then alchemize into some kind of wisdom or some kind of gift that I can then give back out into the community that will be of benefit as well. So the alchemizing of that within me then has the opportunity to benefit others. And so we see the weave of that storytelling being able to to, to shift the way in which um, the whole community operates, even on a very subliminal energetic level. You know, so that's that practice is a very important practice. The second stage of rites, of a rite of passage would be that every rite of passage involves a challenge. And that when we teach this work and when we practice this work, there is, there is a resistance we have in our modern day culture towards challenging experiences. It's like, oh, we must just be, be in our bliss and make sure we're being happy and do what we love. And if you don't love it, change it. And it's, a, you know, we kind of are, we're reversed to the more difficult emotions in our, because our, again, our culture hasn't taught us how to be with those difficult emotions. We're reversed to them and we have a preference for these preferable emotions of joy and happiness but really our human experience is about this entire spectrum of feeling none of us can get away from feeling the difficult emotions we are going to go through experiences in life that are going to cause us to feel difficult emotions so through rites of passage and through the recognition that every single transition from one stage to the next will inevitably have a challenge or an ordeal there's going to be something that's going to test us so it's going to be hard we're probably going to feel very hard emotions of frustration or anger or sadness or grief or all of those difficult things that we use the intelligence within the process of a rite of passage to support people to recognize how to be with those challenges and with that ordeal and with those difficult emotions with a lot more acceptance a lot more wisdom, a lot more maturity, and a lot more grace. And while they are going through that ordeal or that challenge, there is now this uh, experience that they've had of the circle around them, the circle of the community of not just them isolated on their own going through something difficult. They know that that elder that spoke in that circle two weeks ago had had something similar happen and that they also got through and the gold that they, they um, extracted from that experience was something that they could alchemize into now this ordeal that I'm having now. I'm, I'm not alone. Other people have been here before and they've survived. And actually, they are all the more wiser for it. They are all the more um, uh, 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 mature for it. Um, so, yeah, so that challenge and ordeal is a very important part of a rite of passage. And then after we've gone through a big challenge or not, and ordeal our, our our experience within our bodies actually shifts on a, on a on a chemical level we move in our brains from one stage of thinking which is in the ordinary everyday thing oh, i must make my breakfast i must write my shopping list i must make sure i send that email all our ordinary thinking gets shifted in the wake of going through something challenging and i'm sure many of your listeners will be able to resonate with that that when we've gone through some big experience that afterwards you're like 
wow, like that really blew my mind, you know, and in that stage of blowing one's mind or having the experience of a real shift where we move into what's called liminal thinking, we have a very fertile opportunity in that phase after the challenge and the ordeal to be able to vision into a new way of being. We have the the chemical composition in our brain is super receptive and open to thinking about things from a new perspective, to thinking about things from from a, a different angle, not from the shopping list, making breakfast, driving the car perspective, we are in an we are in an altered state of consciousness with what's happened through the challenge and the ordeal that we then have the opportunity this beautiful uh, sensitive tender um very open very receptive stage of 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 thinking to go wow what what kind of life do i really want to live you know what how do i want to show up as an individual how do i want to show up for myself what changes do i need to make in order to be able to create the possibility of me living a different kind of life of breaking away from these habits or these behaviors that aren't actually serving me and are hurting other people and how do i how how can i choose differently how can i make these 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 agreements with myself and vision into a new way of being with myself and then build that vision chart and be able to come back out and share that with my beloveds with the people in my community wow i've just learned that i do these things that don't help me and therefore don't help anybody and this is how i'm going to change and the whole community then can support that person going like wow congratulations on creating this extraordinary new way forward and we are here in loving support to support you on this journey into this new vision for yourself and this is how we can help you with our with whatever kinds of support those people can offer um, so it's a beautiful phase, that vision phase. And then, you know, it concludes, which again, we don't do that well in what we call the honoring is that at the end of an ordeal or of a process or of somebody going through a big transition in their life, you know, somebody, for example, who is transitioning from those mother years into the crone years, there may be a lot of resistance for that person and the, the aging of the body and the losing of the, of, of this, of the looks they might've been attached to on the, you know, breaking down of the physicality on the what is my relevance in the world I'm no longer employable because ageism is such a thing in today's culture I'm no longer relevant to my family they're just putting me into an old age home I'm you know I don't have a place anymore there's there's this real sense of 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 challenge and sadness and grief that that can happen for somebody in that transition into elderhood but when we approach these sorts of transitions in this way of doing a rite of passage is that we support the person through the difficult emotions of of moving Moving through into the stage of elderhood, but we also then help them realize that they have this incredibly valuable place within the community and that we honor them for the place that they have. And we help them remember what their unique gifts and talents are at that stage of their life so that they can reconnect to that part of themselves that holds so much value for everybody that through this process of not necessarily doing this transition right, they may have disconnected from because our culture doesn't support and doesn't and remember the elders in the way in which they they really they the, the real super extraordinary value that our elders hold in our community so that those are the stages the sitting in circle and storytelling which works all the way through and that has happened in indigenous communities all the way through the challenge and the ordeal and how to be with that with awareness and grace and have the support of that circle and community around one the opportunity to then vision into a new way of being for oneself and then to be able to be honored for the unique gifts and talents that this stage or this person or this um, 
next phase um, of existence that this person is going to have can bring not just to themselves, but to the benefit of the whole. Um, and then we have this beautiful opportunity to keep practicing the experience of being in a healthy functioning community, a conscious health, healthy functioning community. Okay, I'm going to talk back at you through my mm -hmm. Western lens. Some of what you explained, like being in circle with the elders, there, there's a certain touch, and even with the, the phrase rites of passage, there's a, a touch of ceremony there, which we often don't acknowledge in Western culture. We have, yes, we have the wedding, we have, you know, the baby shower, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. But it, through conversation, even with the young person and their elders, if we share experiences in such a way that this is this was my experience this was how I dealt with it without going into that um you know I know what's best you know I did it the right way so mm -hmm. completely eliminating that which is hard for some people in western culture mm -hmm. and then you were talking about the stories from the elders and just recently in a couple of podcast guests we've talked about the fact that you know, you have your elders, you have your mentors, and you absorb their their knowledge and their you learn from their skills and that sort of thing. So when you face that challenge, you're not facing it alone because they are in so many, their knowledge and wisdom is so ingrained within you that you're doing it in company with mm -hmm. that background, that those people. Yeah, Is that yeah, beautiful. That's exactly it. You're so right. And you know, the just to address the first part of what you were reflecting back there is that, you know, in our Western society, we don't necessarily have the um we haven't um to 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 run these processes well does require a, an, a certain amount of awareness or skills. So, you know, when we're sitting in circle and telling our story, it's really important that whoever is the space holder, and that doesn't necessarily mean the leader of the group. It's there's no, you know, there's no such thing as leader. We have equal respect and reverence for everybody within within the organization, within the circle. But there's often somebody who is the primary space holder who who maintains and holds the equal within the circle and you know the the way in which it gets set up is often very important so you know for example you know we we run a lot of these processes subliminally within my family I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old and you know we do very light touch circles for example over the dinner table where we have a little talking gnome and you know it'll be at the end of the day and I know this is probably quite familiar to some people but we'll say you know right the Everybody, we're going to do rose, thorn, banana peel and seed tonight. So rose, what happens that was great in your day? And sometimes it will be just one rose or sometimes somebody will have a rose bush and there'll be lots of things that happen for them that was good. Um, you know, what was the thorn? Something challenging that happened for you in your day. What was your banana peel? Something fun or funny that happened in your day. And what's your seed? What's something that you're wishing for at the moment? And this little gnome will then move around the table. And with the young children, it's a real it's a real practice of, you know, reminding them the whole time because they're still learning at the stage, you know, you know, it's daddy's turn now. Please don't interrupt daddy while, he, you know, he, he listened to you tell your story. Can you listen to him tell his story? You know, and we keep it light touch in that way um, when we do it with the children. 
you know, we do it around uh, dinner tables with friends where, you know, so often we'd get to dinner table and it was like, chat, 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 chat. And then we get to the end of the evening and I never got to speak to that person and I don't know how that person's going and that person was too far away. So I never got to tune in. And now we do a check-in around the dinner table. It doesn't take long, but it takes sort of two, three minutes, everybody. Each person checks in. Hi, this is Paula checking in. Sure, we, you know, what's live for me right now? And it's sort of like the adult version of the rose thorn and banana peel. What's live for me right Right now, these are all the good things that are happening. I'm also having a really challenging time with X, Y, and Z, and I'm really, really hoping and wishing for the fact that X, Y, and Z. And then that goes around the table, and it's extraordinary how the simple little practice, just in that sort of two minutes each around the table, can change the frequency of the experience, that everybody feels just that little bit more tapped into one another. And even if I don't get to chat to Bob at the end of the table for the rest of the night, I did hear that this was going well for Bob and that he's having a challenge with this and that actually, you know, uh, he's wishing for this and, oh, he's wishing for this. I actually know somebody who can help Bob with that thing he's wishing for. So there's just this, this, it's a different way of relating, you know, and when we think about feminine consciousness and for us as women or for us in, in the feminine, which is the mass in, in men as well. It's all about the way in which we relate. How do we relate to ourselves? How do we relate to our physical bodies? How do we relate to our environments? How do we relate to one another? Are we in right relationship with all of these different facets? And in turn, when we're sitting in a circle like that, just over, over the dinner table, how this relationship can shift and change. And actually, so often I can tell you is that, especially when I'm sitting at a dinner table with women and we start that sort of thing, by the third or fourth person the woman's usually crying there's usually something that clicks in that it's like wow look at all the stuff that's actually happening under the surface all we're doing is a simple check-in and she's now talking about something that's challenging in her life that she wouldn't have because we were at dinner everybody's having a glass of wine or whatever they're drinking and it's chit chat chit chat oh fantastic so lovely to see you and we all keep it in that in that side of the spectrum of the of our preference for the joy of the human emotions that are on that side of the spectrum, as opposed to the realness of experience where we have the opportunity to really get real in our relationships with one another. And um, and so, you know, there's that sort of experience we can do in Western, Western culture, which uh, which is which is very simple to integrate. If we're going to do something more formal, like actually creating opportunities for cultures or communities, you know, we need to have somebody who can hold that space integrally, integrally where the ground agreements get, you know, I don't really like the word rules that all of a sudden sounds very sort of, you know, dictatorial again. But the agreements that we make with one another when we're sitting in circle is that we maintain confidentiality and that nobody speaks about what gets spoken about in the circle to anybody else, so that we can build the trust with one another so that we can really deeply share what's going on for us that we don't give advice nobody here is to give is here to give advice to anybody else we're not here to solve anybody's problems or fix anybody's problems or save anybody or rescue anybody we're here to set to witness one another while one another while each person has the opportunity to hear themselves speak we are not here to project into the space so it's not like we're going to come here and philosophize and say well you know when you do this and you should do that and you and you and you which is what us human beings so often do because we haven't learned how to be responsible for the I when I do this I feel that I am going through this, I, I, I. When we are unable to be with ourselves and our own experience, we bypass that by making it into a you. You know that you should not really do this because you, this, and you, that. It's like, well, no, actually, 
I should not really do this because I am not going to and I feel. And that's a really subtle shift that happens in a circle, you know, addressing your point around that advice giving is that, you know, the, the space holder within the circle would be able to kind of pick it out if somebody's going into the you, 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 just call them back at, can you speak from the first person? Can you speak from the I? Can you speak from your experience? So we know what's going on for you and not what you are projecting out onto everybody else. Speak about yourself. We will learn so much about your experience not about what you think others should be doing you know so therein lies the elixir so the space holder will hold that sort of space confidentiality not giving advice not projecting outwards you know having a talking stick so whoever's got the talking stick nobody can talk you know besides that person who's holding that stick and with the building of the integrity of that kind of space holding or the integrity within that kind of a circle, there's a beautiful experience of trust that develops for the people that are sitting in that space. And if over time the circle continues, so for example, you know, what I do in the frequency with the woman is we do blocks of eight weeks of these circles. And over time, it's extraordinary to see how as the women get to realize that they are safe and that they are being heard and that they are not getting interrupted and that nobody's trying to solve their problems for them and that all they're doing is sharing their story and then reflectively listening from another, that bit by bit as that unlocks, the trust develops and their willingness to go into the challenging corners that are actually sitting as a barrier for them living their most fully expressed life becomes much more available to them. They're able then to build that trust within the circle and then bit by bit build that trust within themselves to be able to speak fully from the third person from the first person um, and share their stories so you know it's about the, the 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 layers of different circles that one can hold the types of different practices one can do that like I've said in the family situation in the friendship circle or in the more sort of kind of formal setting where people are wanting to do slightly deeper work or much deeper work than just that continuous practice within a community of almost light touch rose thorn banana peel and seed for example yeah I, I i was thinking as you were talking about just even within your family of like what sort of a society would we have if even just within the family unit everybody knew that their voice counted that they would be allowed to speak without being judged or given advice or mm. talked over and then the other side of that coin, of course, is you, you can't support someone if you don't know that they're having challenges. You can't celebrate their wins if you don't know that they've experienced that exciting moment. You know, so, you know, if, if each family could develop that within themselves, it would, you know, within a generation, we'd have this amazing, you know, society. Oh, Agnes, you give me goosebumps as you're saying that because, you know, it's exactly it's exactly what we wish for, you know, those of us who work across the space of rites of passage and recognize the value that this process can bring to community building and the value that this process can bring not just to each individual but to the community as a whole. You know, we have a vision for rites of passage to become mainstream again, that, you know, the uh, mindfulness became mainstream again and yoga became mainstream again and, you know, mindfulness and yoga are all over the world now 
you know, and our vision is for rites of passage to become mainstream again, that we can bring the awareness of what this process is, which is actually, as you've heard, a very simple process. It's not, it's not a complex, oh, geez, I have to go and study something extensively. No, it's a practice. It's a, it's a practice and a process. And that if we were to just have people being able to hold that space around the dinner table, and it doesn't even need to be every night, like Sunday night check-in, you know, let's do a Sunday night rose thorn banana peel and seed or whatever suits the family flow. And each person gets their chance to be seen and heard, you know, the breaking down of those unhealthy relationship dynamics that form over time, which it's part of our human nature, they just creeping and then these things stick and stay and crystallize, that if we just introduce this within the home you know home is where the heart is home is where things all start and you know that every change will begin within the home so I totally agree you know like reaching out to all your listeners if you can start a little check-in with your family just around the dinner table as often as possible what a beautiful experience it is to be able to be heard and to to in turn hear from one another with this different flavor of listening and this different flavor of relating and all of the phones are under a pillow in another room. Mm. Yes. <laughs> They're not yes. allowed to come to the table. No, oh, I agree. Goodness. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You know, just really guarding that sacred space, you know, really <laughs> having really strong boundaries around creating and guarding that sacred space. Yeah. Now, Paula, most of our listeners are mid-age or older women. Mm-hmm. Within, for example, your circles, Does age matter? I'm just wondering if an older woman might come with so much internal stuff that she has a very difficult time unpacking it to become, Mm. to feel like Mm. an equal member of a a circle. So um, beautiful question. And, you know, all women of all ages are welcome. Um, And the majority of the women that are in my circle, well, the age range has been 31 to 59 so far. Um, My very dear friend and I are working on, she's in the transition from mother into crone at the moment or at the beginning of that transition. So it's a really interesting time of her life that she's in. And we are in the process of gestating and creating a transition, transitionary rite of passage program that she will more than likely um, chair from mother years into um, elder years that will be very much geared around the specific topics that um, that we've touched on today. Now, that's not to say that those topics don't come into, into the circles that I run. You know, we definitely approach things like the discussion of aging and aging gracefully, which in these circles we call saging. You know, it's the mm-hmm. saging into our wisdom, the saging of our transition, the, the reverence of our midlife. Um, and what we what we can really revere and 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 uh, instead of feeling like we have passed our sell by dates, how do we really come back within ourselves to the reverence of our midlife into our elderhood years? Um, you know, and in turn, then because we're changing it within us and not expecting the culture to change it for us, we have that opportunity to alchemize that and bring that back out into communities in a really healthy way. So, you know, there is a, you know, we talk a lot, for example, around the cyclic nature of women, you know, how these cycles that happen in our bodies every month with our moon cycles that have been going on since we went through adolescence and then suddenly come to an abrupt halt in menopause and what changes 
happen for women and this topic is just not spoken about enough amongst women we haven't had enough of a, a space or a sound a sounding board to be able to explore topics of perimenopause wow that's a huge topic for women who feel like they're losing their minds before they go into menopause there's actually a whole lot that's happening for them before they go into menopause then menopause happens and then the bleed stops and then oh my gosh what am I now? Am I an android? Am I not a woman anymore? What's actually happening inside of my body? Have I lost my feminine essence? And, you know, all of those fears and concerns and questions and disconnections and numbing, numbings out are all part of the challenge that we have as women of, 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 of seeking constantly to try and maintain that connection to our beautiful feminine essence, which is the space is not being held for that. So we explore all sorts of things around what that cycle process looks like. And then again, what happens when the bleed stops and what's actually going on for the woman when the bleed stops, are they joyful that it doesn't happen anymore? What kind of shifts have happened? What hormones are still happening? Because there's still a cycle happening within the body, even though the bleed has stopped. You know, so it's like, oh, wow, then how can I stay tapped into that cyclical nature within my body if I don't have the bleed to rely on to be able to understand what's going on inside of my body and how that's affecting my every day? You know, there's a there's a, a season for or there's a there's an experience for each of the different stages of the season of our cycle. So, you know, at, at present, the circles are mostly focused on the mother years, these, this middle phase of life. Um, but coming down the line will definitely be the mother into crone and the um, opportunity for us to really support these women who have got so much extraordinary wisdom and value, so much extraordinary. So, I mean, the women of, of you know, the women who are sort of in that later midlife moving into cronias they have transmuted so much of the world's challenges you know they've transmuted so much of let go of so many of their own dreams so many of the women that are in that age group weren't given equal opportunity like the women are now and even now as you said earlier in this in this discussion you know even now it's not it's not there yet you know, but if we look back to, you know, if we look back 20 or 30 years ago, it, it was hardly there at all for women to feel a sense of freedom and empowerment to pursue their life dreams. No, they, they were meant to do certain roles and meant to do certain jobs. And as a result of that, most of them did it with a big smile on their face, let go of their own dreams, let go of their own ambitions, let go of their own desires and did what was required because that was what was needing to be done. And I see that in my own mother. She's an extraordinary woman. She's 76 years old now. And I see how my she's transmuted in her own existence and I have so much reverence and respect for her and the other crones that are around her the other extraordinary women that are around that have got this strength and resolve in the way in which their lives have panned out without bitterness or twistedness and you know if there's been times in their life where that's been where that's been present they've had the um capacity to transmute that into an elixir and there's so much that can be learned from from that generation so to support women into healthy uh, healthy crone years would be a real blessing and you know I really don't want to um you know be out of integrity recognizing that I'm not yet in that transition which is why I'm, I'm working with a friend who is because I feel with these sorts of things there has to be the embodied experience in order to be able to bring the the first-hand elixir to the circle um but it's certainly something that we will be bringing to the forefront um, and that I can definitely let you know when that's available to share with your community Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking, as you said that I, I have a circle of 
friends, uh, women friends, and we're all in that 70 age, age range. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, the, the joy and the acceptance and it's, it, it really is lovely. Um, and yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say you coach, but it almost sounds more like you're a facilitator than a than a coach is that right yeah yes I, I would say so I mean like coach is an interesting word um you know I feel like there's an element of coaching but most of it's about my deep re realization over time that you know each of us have everything we need within us that if we, you know, we have people around us that can say certain things that will trigger a, an, a, an a, wow, that's interesting, or that really resonated, or that was really fascinating. But for so long, we as, um, as people have been taught to put our, our power outside of ourselves, and especially as women, you know, so many women are like, oh, I must do another course before I'll be worthy. I must make sure that I've got it. I must be over ready for that job before I apply. And, you know, there's always the sense of, you know, coming from a place of disempowerment where it's like, oh, I really must do more before I'm ready. I really must do more before I'm worthy, which comes from a deep, deep rooted self-worth issue that women still carry, that many women still carry. And so this experience of a rite of passage, it's, all, it's very much around supporting women to discover for themselves their extraordinary elixir, to discover for themselves their gifts, their talents, their wisdom, you know, to really hold the mirror in the integrity of a circle in the ancient wisdom that sits in that energetic space you know the 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 memory the remembrance of the of of the brilliance of each individual woman that sits in the circle and then for that to be amplified out into the world but if we think more practically of women in the circle is that there is a certainly a learning series that I take everybody through that's a recorded process and then the circles are around sharing but it's very much around here is this objective knowledge and each woman can then subjectively interact with it so that we you know I call it down with the guru you know like down with the down with the person up there on the throne or down with the person that thinks that they've got all the answers or they've got it all worked out and yes reverence to each individual teacher out there who has done the work to create something that's extraordinary but there's a, a consciousness shift I feel and that many of us in our community feel that is required in order to be able to support people on that journey to remembering themselves if we keep placing our power outside of ourselves i need a coach i need a i need a psychologist i need absolutely if, if you need one in the moment great but don't then give all your power away to that person and forget that you can actually do this for yourself that person will lead you a certain way of your journey but it's constantly turning the mirror back towards you've got this You've got this. You know yourself. You you will remember yourself. Give yourself time. Go through the journey of unpeeling yourself and allowing yourself to emerge of that badge that's in full bloom in order for it to flower. It's that experience of, of allowing oneself to fully open and not feeling trapped in the bud like that, wilting in the bud, and then hoping that somebody else is going to come and make the bud open. It's like, no, other people can put water in the garden and they can tend to the soil and they can support you, can shine a bit of 
light on you, but ultimately you or we are the ones that will open our own buds. And it's this real experience of how do we facilitate and support people to remember how to do that for themselves. In that remembrance, then there's the sense of sovereignty. There's a sense of deep sense of personal responsibility to one's own experience of life and therefore the impact that one has on everything around us. Then we take responsibility for ourselves, our emotions, our experiences, our planet, our waste, our, our impact on others, we then have that opportunity to turn our consciousness back outward in a really healthy way. Um, and if we keep positioning ourselves, or in my view, positioning ourselves, I'm the coach and you are the coachee, there is this power dynamic that comes into that. That's not a, it's, it's, you know, I worked in a hierarchical structure for 14 years of the power dynamics just being bashed around and, you know, getting squashed and made small and meek and mild and then coming out overbearing and, you know, forceful. And it was, it was very traumatic, all of that, the, 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 the you know, the getting, beaten down and then coming back out fighting and getting assertive and it's none of that's attuned to consciousness and awareness you know none of that that experience is is in the flow and the balance of what it is that we want to perpetuate on planet earth so to support people to discover that for themselves for me it's very much the art of facilitation that that there is this remembrance of, of, of from my side that the clearer I am about the fact that I am doing nothing but facilitating a process that it's not about me you know it's very much not about me it is about the experience of, of for me having the deep privilege of supporting somebody and witnessing them unfold into an, a realization for themselves and once somebody's realized something for themselves nobody can ever take that away from them or make them wrong for it they it is theirs you know, and I get goosebumps as I say that because, you know, it's very much theirs. It's their truth. They know this to be true, not because some coach or guru told them. They have discovered it for themselves and it is unshakable from that moment on. And therein, I think, lies the extraordinary potency of, of the journey that we all share together. Whoa, <laughs> this has been great. Um, now, we have covered off everything on my list. Is there anything that you wanted to get across that? we haven't covered um let me have a think um I think we've touched on so many beautiful angles and I love where this conversation has gone, Agnes. Thank you so much for holding such beautiful space for it to be explored in the way in which it has. And, you know, I really do uh, have such deep appreciation for women such as yourself that are creating channels and opportunities for conversations like this to be heard. Um, and I just wish for this to land in the ears and in the laps of all of the women and the men out there who are really seeking to wish to discover these things for themselves and to you know and that this conversation can really you know move out on the frequency to the ears of the listeners that 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 most that will most benefit from receiving it and so yeah just a lot of respect to you for creating this channel and for doing the good work that you're doing and you know blessings on that path Matt only flourish and 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 thrive well thank you for that yeah it's uh, interesting as I was you know doing my homework I always do homework before I have a guest and so many of the words that you use, whether it's, you know, the circle or mindfulness, like this respect that just that whole aura, I think of your website, it was just like, oh, my goodness, like you just embody, you know, the same only different, I think is what I'm saying. So it was such a pleasure mm -hmm. to have you on today. Where do we find you on the World Wide Web? 
Oh, beautiful. Thank you. So my website is um, www.thefrequency.global. Um, and if there's anybody who would like to reach out, they can book a discovery call through the website. It's a very simple process through there. Um, and I'm more than happy to connect with anybody and chat to them about where they're at. And if it's something that I can personally support them with, um, I can explore that. But there's also a beautiful community of people. So I do have some crone mentors in my world who have supported me in this journey as well. And so if there are people who are wanting to do elderhood work at this stage, I do have people within my community that I can connect them to um, to have those types of conversations and to be able to connect to the types of offerings that are available. So um, I'm also on Instagram at thefrequency.global um, and either one of those methods, um, by all means, I'd love to hear from you. Oh, that's good. Okay, website link is always in the show notes and all of the links are always um, with your bio on the uh, website. Listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, please talk to us. Leave comments where you're listening, or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Leave stars and reviews where you can. They help us grow. And if you want early access of upcoming episodes, there's a sign up under this conversation at Boom with a Bang. Share this episode with your women friends. As I was doing my research for this show, I had this niggling feeling that we know this stuff. We just don't always know that we know this stuff. It's time we all grow into our mature mother traits. We didn't go there, but that's okay. That's what um, Paula calls it, mature mother traits, while not losing our healthy maiden traits. Paula Conroy, thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing your journey and your wisdom with us. Thank you so much, Agnes. Blessings to you. And so, so very much appreciate the conversation. All the very best. Thank you. And to you. Have a great rest of the week.